Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. The Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Keep in mind the great service department that Sunbury Motors has. All right, Kenny Albert in just a few moments. First, a retrospective on our play-by-play call of the day. The Pirates win their last playoff game. Well, they're standing room only crowd trying to get under Johnny Cueto's skin, and they might be. That ball's hit well to left center field. Back toward the track, and that ball is gone. Russell Martin, tune up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think Marlon Bird also homered in that game, if I recall correctly. It's the last playoff game the Pirates. Well, actually, it was the one-game playoff because they did win two games against the Cardinals that year, I think, the uh, in the series. All right, with that, we uh, bring in Kenny Albert. Kenny, thanks so much. I hope you and your family are doing well. Uh, we are. Thanks, Steve. Same to you. I appreciate that. So where were you when you found out they were going to shut everything down? Well, I was in Denver two Wednesdays ago with the Rangers. Uh, They played the Colorado Avalanche, and we had been in Dallas the night before and then traveled after that game to Denver. And it was about an hour prior to the opening faceoff when we started to hear the news about Rudy Gobert and then the subsequent NBA postponement of the season. So that's when a lot of people in the press box uh, started discussing the fact that uh, you wonder if the same thing could happen with the NHL. And sure enough, uh, the next day it did. So we stayed over uh, with the team. I was actually supposed to fly to Miami the next day for a Knicks game, which uh, obviously those plans changed once I saw the announcement from the NBA. So stayed over in Denver as I was scheduled to, and then uh, the Rangers wound up flying home the next morning on Thursday, I guess it was March 12th, uh, when the NHL decided to uh, suspend their season as well. Well, yeah, I was in Indianapolis uh, for the Big Ten tournament. And it was was a surreal feeling, uh, Steve, during the entire game, knowing that something like this might happen. Uh, Once the NBA made their decision, you know, you're calling the game, but you're kind of thinking about uh, what might happen, what might transpire over the next 24 hours. So it was definitely a bizarre feeling throughout the course of that entire game. Uh, Yeah, and what? look, you're somebody that's always on the go. So what has this been like for at a time of the year where you are scheduled and know you're supposed to be someplace. Right, that's the biggest thing. It's, it's been a lot different uh, than uh, normal times, and obviously the number one focus is on everybody's health, and uh, hopefully uh, we all get back to work you know, at some point soon uh, once, once the, the doctors and, and, and the government determine that it's uh, the right time to come back. But you know, as far as not working, um, it's definitely... You know, for the last 
what, 20, 25, 30 years, I've always known what that next game is, the next assignment, and you're always kind of preparing and reading and, um, you know, paying extra special attention to those teams. And I know you're the same way with, with the Penn State Athletics. So that's the biggest thing is that there's not really a next uh, game to prepare for and look ahead to. Um, I have to say I've, I've done a lot of cleaning in my home office, which which has <laughs> yeah. been uh, uh, needed for about the last 10 or 15 years. Um, you know, things piling up, newspapers, magazines, files, and you always tell yourself that you'll get to it at some point, either over the summer or some other time of the year, but life kind of gets in the way. So I, I would say I've probably cleaned about 10% of, of the home <laughs> office so far to this point, but I uh, just spent a lot of time at home, family time, and... Um, you know, trying to get out on, on some walks and to get some exercise and keep the body moving while social distancing, staying away from other people. But it, it's definitely been a, a surreal time over these last couple of weeks. Yeah, no question. Have you had a chance to get in touch with Ben Boom at all? Uh, absolutely, every day. Um, he's one of a number of people that, that are on the uh, daily phone call and text list, not only during these last two weeks, but over the uh, normal uh, course yeah. of life. I guess he was supposed to be a part of a big symposium at, at Penn State last week that uh, was was pushed back. So, uh, but we're right. we're communicating each and every day. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'm glad he's doing well because he's one of the great guys out there. I don't have to tell you that. Well, uh, for the for the for the listeners who have no idea who we're talking about, uh, yeah. Ben's a longtime friend and colleague of both myself and Steve, and works with me on NFL football up in the booth, doing statistics and research and spotting. Uh, I call him the, the IRG, the Information and Rules Guru, as well. <laughs> and he also is with uh, Doc Emmerich on NBC Hockey Games, Steve Levy on college football, and the XFL. He was in the midst of, of his first season doing the XFL and uh, many other sporting events on his, on his docket as well. And for those who don't realize Ben's past here, he was actually a member of the Penn State uh, men's ice hockey team when they were or, a club or so, program. Or so he claims. I guess, actually, you, I, I guess you would have some evidence, right, Steve? I, I actually do have evidence because I know a number seven on my chart when I was announcing <laughs> the games said it was Ben Boma. So right, he always <laughs> tells me that he was one of the all-time greats back in the early 90s, but I never actually – I didn't know him at that point, so I never got to a game. He played well. <laughs> How about he played well? How about we leave it at that? He played well. All right, there you go. There you go. Good, good enough. For – a hockey team or a basketball team, say life makes a transition, how long can he, in talking to people who have been around training camps and so forth, would it take players to actually get back where it's legitimate playing shape and you're not going out there and you're not risking yourself physically by trying to play the game too early? Right. It's a great, it's a great question. And whenever we do get back, you know, whether it's, it's early May, early June, early July. You know, the one thing about the modern-day athlete, they keep themselves in such great shape. Now, it might be a little bit harder to do now when you can't go to gyms and, and team facilities. Um, but, you know, in all sports, hockey, football especially, uh, players always talk about the fact that back in the, in, the, in, the, in the 60s and 70s and maybe even into the early 80s, Training camp was a time uh, for you to get into shape once you reported to camp, whether NFL, NHL. But these days, you know, it's a year-round thing, and, and the guys are in perfect shape when they report to training camp. So That's right. I think it might have been more of an issue, you know, back in the 60s and 70s. But 
now I don't think it would take too long uh, just because the guys are, are so in tune with, with their bodies and keep themselves in shape all year long. And, and it's been, uh, you know, it's been somewhat fun to watch some of these videos, you know, in particular NHL players uh, posted on social media of, of how some of them are keeping in shape. You know, P.K. Subban and Lindsey Vaughn uh, working out together and uh, some of the other NHL players with, with their spouses or significant others, you know, using them as, as weights, for example. So it's been uh, kind of fun to watch some of those videos. Yeah, it's interesting because that's what I've told people for years. You're now expected to walk into camp, whether you know, and I always use it in the Penn State football and basketball realm, obviously around you. You're expected to walk in camp in shape and ready to go, and it's the same thing with these guys. Right. You know, in pro sports, if you're not in shape when you report to camp these days, you might not make the team. So it's a lot different than it was 25, 30 years ago. What did you think of the NHL season to this point? It was a lot of fun. I mean, covering covering the Rangers on a on a daily basis. Although I miss a lot of the games early in the season during football. Um, you know, they were such a fun team to watch. A team going through what they call a build, not a rebuild, and so many terrific young players. And they were uh, on on quite a run uh, from mid January through uh, the stoppage in in early March, and were were on the cusp of a playoff spot, two or three points out. But overall, you know, a lot of excitement. You had the Ovechkin, um, you know, chasing Gretzky, hitting the 700. You know, Gretzky only less than 200 goals away. Um, so a lot of excitement leading up to uh, when Ovechkin scored his 700th goal. And just so many of the young players, you know, doing their thing, whether David Postonok up in Boston, Austin Matthews in Toronto. And, you know, hopefully at some point we do see the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, 2020. But, I think we were gearing up for what would have been a, a tremendous playoff, both in the Eastern Conference and the West. When you look at the, the business side of the NHL, they have a TV contract. Everybody's TV, radio contracts, a national contract, but they are not to the extent of what the NFL is or the NBA. How reliant is the NHL on the crowd, on the, on the guy and the woman in the stands to help them get the, the profit number they need? Well, that's a good point, Steve. The ticket sales are certainly uh, more, you know, a higher percentage uh, of the overall revenue than they might be in any other sports due to the uh, various television contracts. And you look at NHL attendance over the last, I would say, 10 to 20 years, and m- most teams are operating up in the high 90 percentile. So, um, you know, hockey's is so great in person. Not that the other sports aren't, but, you know, you go to a hockey game and, and – the, the skating, the speed, the skill, the passing, um, you know, sometimes it might not come across as well on television. And I think, you know, especially with the HD and some of the technological improvements, it's a terrific TV sport as well. But um, hockey does rely a lot on ticket sales, and uh, the TV contract is up in about a year and a half after next season, so uh, we'll see where it goes at that point. But, uh, uh, no, you're certainly right. I mean, in, in football, we always hear that teams can basically pay their entire payroll just based on their portion of the TV contract. So, um, you know, that, that's certainly not the case in hockey. Right, exactly. Uh, and you're right, in person, hockey in person is spectacular compared to where, where it is on TV. I mean, it really is. Uh, the, the football part of it, because obviously with, with the NFL and what you do with Fox, now Tom Brady makes the transition to the NFC. What were your thoughts on that move to Tampa Bay by him? And just what do you think it does to the Fox schedule, knowing that he is he is going to be on that side the vast majority of the time? 
Well, first of all, I was certainly surprised you know, when he left New England. We heard the rumors over the last couple of months, but I thought when push comes to shove, uh, he would be back with the Patriots. It's so hard to envision him playing in another uniform, but um, you know, so exciting for the folks down in Tampa. They were a pretty good team last year. They finished 7-9, and nine, but um, you know, it's been well documented, the interception issue with Jameis Winston through 30, and if, if, if just you know, one or two of those in a couple of games don't happen, you know, maybe they finish 9-7, and 10-6. And, and ironically, I was flipping channels this morning, and the NFL Network replayed a game that I worked along with Rondé and Tiki Barber, uh, the Giants-Tampa Bay game, week three of the regular season, which happened to be uh, Daniel Jones' first start and win as a New York Giant. And uh, Matt Gay, unfortunately for the Buccaneers and their fans, missed a chip shot, 34-yard field goal, uh, right as time ran out. And uh, I, I kind of sat there riveted to the screen this morning, even though the game was played months ago and I knew the result. It was an exciting game. It was it was fun to watch, high scoring, and uh, you know both quarterbacks moving their teams down the field. But um, you know, as far as the the networks, I think I I would have to go back and check. I think I've worked about ten Tampa Bay games over the last two seasons combined. Uh, that that number may be a little bit lower uh, this coming season. I would think that the Buccaneers will lose a number of their games to. Sunday night football, Monday night, Thursday yeah. night, uh, maybe the the big four o'clock game on either Fox or CBS on a number of Sundays. So it's always a great play. You know, Ben will tell you it's we Ben and I refer to it as the mecca, uh, Tampa. You know, as far as going yeah. in for a weekend for a broadcast, it's usually yeah. great weather. Everything's yeah. close: the stadium, yeah. the hotel, the practice facility, the airport. You, you get around so easily. There are great restaurants, so yeah. it's always been uh, such a fun place to go and work a game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've done some Outback Bowls. It's just, it's great there. Uh, in fact, and by the way, being a thirty thirty guy is great for Mike Trout. It is not good for an NFL quarterback. Being <laughs> a thirty thirty guy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one one last question, then I'll, then I'll then I'll let you go. And we were talking about obviously the the NFL. What did you think about the agreement and the possibility of going to 17 games? I mean, obviously it means more inventory for everybody, but what did you think of the 17th game? You know, I don't, I don't mind the 17th game. I know there's a lot that, that has to be worked out, you know, in particular player salaries, for example. The, the, you know, in, in prior years up until this year and next year, uh, they're paid based on a 16-game schedule, so now I'm sure they're going to want one seventeenth additional salary on top of their current salaries and uh you know it'll it'll change the numbers around with the tv networks as well i'm sure but i don't have a problem with it with one more game um there's been so much talk about the preseason and maybe going down from four to two or three um you know i know that might hurt some players who don't have an opportunity to uh uh, play much some rookies and free agents during preseason um you know but I would think that maybe they would add some more scrimmages where one team during training camp or preseason goes to another city and you can sort of play a quasi-preseason game during the week. Um, But I think, you know, the the appetite is certainly there from the American public. You know, what what football fans would not uh, sign up for an extra weekend during the regular season. Well, I can't wait to hear you back on doing something because that would be a good sign for everybody. Plus, it's always great to hear you anyway. And please, uh, my best to your family, and uh, please uh, tell Ben uh, that uh, our best to him as well as one of the all-time greats here. <laughs> Certainly will, Steve. Uh, keep up the great work as always. Glad to hear you're still working during these crazy times, and uh, hopefully we'll chat again soon. And, uh, yes, definitely look forward to getting back on the air at some point, hopefully in the near Absolutely. future. Best to your family as uh, well. Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate that. Thanks so much for your time.
Thanks, Steve. Anytime. Kenny Albert. We will come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Our thanks to Kenny Albert for being on the show. Larry Anderson coming up tomorrow on the show, plus uh, James Franklin's uh, teleconference, Zoom conference, press conference, whatever. It's, uh, we'll have that tomorrow for you as well. Mr. Buner, we welcome you back to the show. Glad to be here, Steve. Uh, one, comment, uh, one question, has Kenny ever done a Penn State football game? No. I didn't think so. I was, not. As you, it was you, you were doing that fabulous interview, and I mean, what an articulate fellow he is, um, doing Rangers or whatever. Uh, he He's does. He's one of the best well. in the business. Yeah, he does. He does everything. At one point, there was a point in his career. I want to say it was a couple of years ago. He actually did four sports in four days. <laughs> not surprising. Yeah, obviously. I mean, he, the, I mean, the word versatile. He does every, he, he, Oh, God, he does everything, Bob. I don't know how he he's does a, it with that travel schedule. But he's got – he is – first of all, let's start with this. He's a great hockey announcer. Okay. Yeah. He's a he's a great football announcer. But then you hear him do baseball, and he's a great baseball announcer. And then you hear him do basketball, and it turns out he's a great basketball announcer. He's just really good at everything. Obviously, the key to something, as he was saying – his preparation again, which is what is what you do so well, that no one knows that it takes a lot of effort to make something look as effortless as you and Kenny do. Well, even to be said in the same sense with him, I appreciate uh, very much uh, the preparation part. It's interesting. I was talking with Jack Cam today, and he said, "So what do you you know?" He wanted to know what I was doing, and so far I talked about the show and everything, and. Uh, I said, yeah, and I've been doing some advanced – I've started my advanced work on football. He said, where are you? I said, well, tomorrow I'm starting San Jose State, <laughs> which which, yeah. which is the third third game of the season. I do them in chronological order. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's what I've been doing. I've been working on stuff like that as everybody tries to find some busy work to do besides – you know, being fortunate to still be on and doing a job. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one of the questions I have for tomorrow's um, James Franklin Zoomathon or whatever it is going to be: Where is he yeah. going to be doing that from? I would guess he's doing it from home. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I would imagine that most of the campus buildings are on some kind of a security lockdown. I mean, he can get into Lash Building if he wants, mm-hmm. but you know, I mean, today, for example, they did announce today that uh, that there was indeed, yes, a positive test for COVID nineteen on campus. Now, who, what, where? I have no idea. So, I would think that he'd want to be at home. You know, it was interesting. Uh, there was an article about about Penn State, and I was surprised in one sense, but in not in another, that there are 1,200 students still around uh, State College and many on the campus, well, kids who can't get home, who come from literally around the world to Penn State. And kind of hard to get back to some places right now when the countries are in lockdown. Well, it, it's interesting because you're right, uh, because I've seen them all over town. Yeah. Uh, whenever I've gone to a grocery store, or something like that. You've seen uh, students from other countries here, and you know that they're stuck. Just like we have, how many thousand people do we have? Americans overseas that are stuck, oh, all over the world. 
So yeah. maybe not a lot in Azerbaijan, but a lot of other countries. Yeah. Americans are everywhere, as are other nations' uh, citizens. All right. Our thanks to Greg Pickle for being on the show today. Also, our thanks to Kenny Albert. Larry Anderson is on the show tomorrow, along with that James Franklin uh, press conference that will be done via Zoom tomorrow. Before they started having me teach class on Zoom, I had never heard of Zoom before. And believe it or not, it works very, very well. All right. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Taking your calls at 800 795 9565. This is The Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Also keep in mind that Sunbury Motors has a great service department. Pros, pros. Okay. A um, couple of notes for you, then we'll, we'll get Bob here as well. Costco is no longer allowing its customers to return some of the products they may have bought in bulk uh-huh. Including, including yes, toilet paper. The store policy was instituted just days before William Barr addressed the public about hoarding items. Yes. Barr said the federal government had established a national task force to address supply chain issues related to price gouging and hoarding. And Costco says uh, returns will not be accepted on toilet paper, paper towels, sanitizing wipes, water, rice, and Lysol. Thank you for your understanding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're down to our last 200 or so rolls at our house right now. But, My dad actually hooked me uh, up with, looked me and Lisa up with um, our own order that he got off of Amazon Prime. And we got a full 24 roll now, so we're good for a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Apparently that you can do that now on Amazon Prime. Plus, there's the, uh, the app that my sister got. I think it's called Pooch or something now. Or Poof, something like that. <laughs> Don't look at me. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you're talking Greek here. Yeah. Uh, then I want to point out this place, a place called Federico's Pizza and, and Restaurant. It's located in, I believe, Belmar, New Jersey. It is. Right near the, right near the coast. Yep. He has been an owner there for, oh, geez, I, it's a family-owned restaurant. He's had some employees that have been there with him 20, 25, I think one even 30 years. You know what he did? He took out a loan to pay them. Right? Because he said, I, he said, I didn't want, he said, keep them working. That's what he did. Incredible. Like, wow. Um, yeah. He's going to be selling a lot of pizzas, uh, takeout pizzas as a result of that. And he set an example for. Yeah, you know, moms and pops stores across the country. I hope. I mean, not easy to do, hard thing to do, and he still did it. I mean, I, I give the guy. I, mean, I, I give the guy all the credit in the world for doing that. Yeah, Steve. What they they ask him somewhere I watched on last night, and they ask him why'd you do it, and he looked at the guy like that was a really dumb question. Said, "Well, it was the right thing to do." Well, yeah. And it, exactly, you don't have to go farther than that with that explanation. 
Uh, tomorrow's lineup, Tony DeFazio will join us from Pittsburgh. We'll talk with him. Larry Anderson at 4.06. The James Franklin Press Conference at 4.35. And then we've got Neil Kulong and Patrick Walker joining us from CBS Sports on Thursday, as of right now. So the list continues. Yeah, and you know the I think the question for Tony is uh what about this reunion of the Watt brothers at, you know I know. Uh, yeah, Derek, the yeah, Derek and TJ, yeah. Yeah, they were Wisconsin guys, were they not? They are Wisconsin guys. It's interesting because Penn State football played against Derek obviously in the Big 10 championship game played against TJ. Yeah. But you know what? They never played against JJ. JJ, when he was out, JJ started at Central Michigan. He then transferred, I think, walked on at Wisconsin. But it was the two years they were off the schedule for Penn State. You know, everybody in the Big Ten has to rotate off. Yep. And that was the time that they had rotated off the schedule. So I uh, never got to see JJ Watt play against Penn State when he was at Wisconsin. Uh, okay. Um, the Olympics uh, will be postponed a year. And, I mean, they're really – it's one thing, for example, to have Canada say we can't go. All right, we can still have the Olympic Games, but we understand your decision. It's another thing for Australia to say they can't go. They did the same thing. But when the U.S. Track and Field Federation and the U.S. Swimming and Diving Federation both say, hey, we have major concerns here, suddenly the ears in the room perk up. Like, okay, what? You said what? And and gymnastics, I think, joined in as well, which is a huge draw on television. No question. Uh, and so, so, look, they're going to officially postpone it until 2021. They will still maintain that they are the 2020 Olympics. Uh, and uh, Japanese Prime Minister Sanchiro Abe, uh, Shinzo Abe, excuse me, and uh, Thomas Bach, the president of the IOC, agreed and talked about the postponement. The opening ceremony had been planned for July 24th. It's still going to be in July, but it's going to be in 2021. But I didn't, I didn't see a date in July that they were going to do it. Yeah, there's no date set yet. Yeah. Well, they usually um, start on a – it's usually three weekends. And um, the, opening, right. the opening ceremony is usually, I believe, a Saturday. And the closing ceremony is a Sunday. If I right. if I recall, you know these things are so well scheduled. The Olympic Games, I mean, it's right. pretty much like clockwork. Um, a lot of logistics, uh, amazing logistics, have to go into it. You bring the world to one little place, uh, and, and there's they, a right, and and obviously close quarters too with the Olympic Village. Oh yeah, uh, I mean this is where I mean there are a lot of factors that go into this. The fact that you talk about social distancing, <laughs> and at, when it comes to um, an Olympic Village, the social distancing doesn't happen. Now, uh, Tokyo, this is what they've done. Now, this would be, uh, there have been three times where the Olympics have not taken place. 1916, yep. World War I, 1940, and 1944, World War II. Uh, this is a postponement, not a cancellation. The organizers of Tokyo 2020 estimated the cost to be roughly $12.6 billion dollars. That is going to be the financial impact. 
Other experts have put the figure close to $25 billion. The delay will also impact the billions spent by sponsors and broadcasters. Oh, yeah. No question about that. Uh, the this you know the cost of the facilities and uh, the time value of that money spent to be unused is a huge. They came in under budget, Bob. Well, now they have to main they have to maintain it, but yeah. they did. To, I guess my understanding is Tokyo came in under budget, a rare Olympic venue that comes in under budget. Well, the Japanese are pretty well known for their industriousness and that I mean, the LA games if you recall were way over budget. Atlanta in 96 over budget. The Salt Lake City games that was where uh, Mitch Romney made his name saving them because of they were so over budgeted. Right. So, so. I mean it, it it's hard here here's the difficult part with when you get an Olympics. You make the bid Oh, let's okay. So if you're talking, I know 24 and 28 are set. Yeah, but that that's unusual because Los Angeles and Paris were the two, and they decided, okay, you get one and you get the other. Yeah. So Paris got to go first in 24, and in 28, uh, Los Angeles. Have they picked the 2026 Winter Olympics? We know 22s in Beijing. Do we know where 26 is yet um, for the Winter Olympics? I mean, we'll have to look that up. Yeah, we've got Nor- a crack research team on that. Nor- normally, when an Olympic Games is awarded, it's usually six or seven years out. Well, let's take Los Angeles, for example, the 2028 Games. Well, okay, they know they're going to get it. But once you start building venues, the $2020 are not the same as the $2028. Yeah, 2026 is Milano Cortina, Italy. We'll have 2026. Ooh, that's in northern Italy? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Hope they get over it by then. Yeah. All right. Now, 2030, for example, they haven't announced that yet. Or 2032. So that's, that's, you know, normally, though, they hand these bids are taken care of six or seven years in advance. The problem is, is that when you start building venues... The dollars that you're trying to estimate back six, seven years earlier are not the same as the reality of the moment, and thus you end up running over budget. The fact that they ran the thing under budget is impressive. Now, of course, now what they talk about the losses being staggering, but they're still going to have those same sponsors and the same broadcasters next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think sometimes. They tend to over-exaggerate this, um, but but it's uh, it's still going to happen. The, the the advertising dollars may actually increase by the cost of living for another year. Now let's look at the NBC part of it. NBC has the rights to the Olympic Games, so NBC was going to do the Olympics this summer, then go through a normal NFL season and all the other programming they do with the NHL and so forth. You know, Wimbledon, things like that. And then they would they were going to gear up for a huge February in 2022 because they swapped Super Bowls with CBS. NBC is actually scheduled, was on the original schedule to do the Super Bowl next February 2021, the one in Tampa. Well, they traded with CBS. So this is what happened. CBS will get the Super Bowl in February 2021. 
Then in July 2021, the Summer Olympics take place, NBC. And then in February 2022, six months later, the Super Bowl takes place. NBC's got that followed up right away by the Winter Olympics in Beijing. There you go. That's what you have in six months. Yeah, and hence why NBC. NBC did not let Al Michaels go, though Al Michaels doesn't do a whole lot of Olympics anymore. But there you go. Actually, he, he actually he does studio work. Uh, but I don't think he uh, he did, I don't think he went over to um, the last Olympics though. He did prior to like he did the last Olympics he did was Sochi, and he did studio work. But the the ones yeah. prior uh, after that, I don't think he did. That's when Tariko first took over and everything. Can you blame him? Oh, well, yeah, the, a lot of travel. Well, that's what I mean. That That's a huge commitment. I mean, because obviously Bob Costas had been doing the studio work, and Mike Tirico took the Bob Costas spot. All right? Yeah. Uh, and Al Michaels was doing the, you know, like an auxiliary hosting time. Uh, but, I mean, man, that's a lot. I mean, that that is a lot for a production team. I mean, because remember, the Olympics used to be, and I pointed this out in the show yesterday, the Olympics used to be in the same cycle. You had a winter yep. and a summer games in the same year all the time until finally they made the break in 1994. Uh, 92's the last time they had them in the same year. Well, you're not going to have them in the same calendar year, but you're going to have them six months, seven months apart. I mean, that's... I mean, that for, for a TV network, that also includes the Super Bowl, that's... Uh, that's a lot of work. They're going to be hiring a lot of people, Matt. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, no question. That's, ama- now, that's an amazing, that's amazingly treacherous but exciting schedule. This, okay, now, see, I'm thinking of the suit here. I could <laughs> see the suit in Beijing at the biathlon. Ah, his favorite uh, winter sport, and he could be announcing. He could be the on-course announcer. Cross-country skiing. Now, look, it's better to announce it than be somebody who holds the targets. All right, so, <laughs> because they aren't all, I mean, they're all skilled, but to a point. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're not, the aim is off slightly after skiing for a couple kilometers. Uh, yeah. I mean, but you, you think about you think about that. Now, that is old-fashioned sport right there. That goes back to, look, I'm going to cross-country ski. I need to get food for the table, whatever it may be. I mean, the fatigue. Yeah. And to somehow, I mean, because sometimes you're like, okay, just fire the shots and get going. No, they have to, like, they really take their time when they shoot because, A, they're exhausted and they need to do this as quickly as possible. It really is an amazing event. I mean, yeah. it's not something I'd ever try, but no, what the I heck? Say, it does, you know, back in the olden days, it put meat on the table up in the, the, yes, the Arctic did. Circle. Um so, but yeah, I so, think I mean, what, the, the technical we... aspect, Steve, of the Olympics from a TV production. Uh, one of my college friends is the uh, was the top guy at ESPN for doing uh, productions. Uh, he did the Olympics. He's done the New York Marathon, and it's staggering what the networks do that no one ever sees uh, to set up for twenty-seven camera shots, forty-two microphones miles and miles of cable, etc. And we only see a small portion of what really goes on. Exactly. I mean, it really takes a small army to do it, especially when you're talking about how many different venues they have to be at over a two, two uh, 16-day period. Yeah. It's remarkable. Yeah, and the other part of that is is that 
throughout the rest of the world, certain countries are seeing things that they really are looking forward for their athletes to compete in that maybe we in the USA are not. For example, New Zealand loves the sport of rowing. Well, that's televised fully on the Olympic Games. We may see here in the U.S., two hours of the rowing competitions, the men's eights, for example. But in other places, they're showing it top to bottom, uh, and it's being produced by the same people that are doing everything else at the Olympics. And you, you get snippets here and there. Field hockey, of all things, men's field hockey, huge in India and Pakistan. In Pakistan. They yeah, go to war yeah. over it over there. Uh, that's how right. serious it is. But we'll never see a men's field hockey game here. But it's being broadcast right. to the world. And the, only, and the only reason we'd see a women's field hockey game is if the U.S. was in the medal round, like Char Moret's yeah. team in 1984. Yep. At Los Angeles when they won the bronze over Australia. Uh, a couple quick news and notes for you. Uh, of course, you know Chris Sale is going to undergo uh, Tommy John surgery for the Red Sox. Now it turns out Noah Syndergaard of the Mets is going to have Tommy John surgery. The Carolina Panthers have released Cam Newton, so he is now a free agent. In turn, the Carolina Panthers then signed Robbie Anderson, who's going to leave the New York Jets, and he is going to join the Carolina Panthers. And, of course, Anderson is the latest former Temple player to reunite with Matt Rule. That includes Tahir Whitehead, P.J. Walker, the quarterback. I mean, so it's interesting. All right, we're going to take a break. One final break. Back with more in a moment. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf on News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Ah, yes, keep in mind the Sunbury Motors Service Department, which is tremendous. They do great work there. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Uh, One other slice of news, Daniel Aturo of Minnesota. The 6'10", 6'11", center for Minnesota has opted for the NBA draft, and he has said that he's going to get himself an agent. Aturo was in his sophomore year, and he, I want to tell you, he probably will end up being, I think, an early second-round pick. He'll be one of the top 40 guys taken. He'll probably be in the 30 to 40 range when when they end up picking him. But what really helps him is he can step out face up and shoot. 
he can hit three-point shots. Now, I'm not talking about a top-of-the-key NBA three-pointer, but remember, the three-point line in the corners is about two-inch difference between the college game and the pros right now. So it's not that great a difference. He can hit that shot as well as being really good inside, back to the basket, active, rebounding, blocking shots, and he can run the floor. Aturo is a really, really impressive player, in my opinion. The only problem he had as the season went is he logged, out of necessity, so many minutes that you could see at the end he was getting a little bit tired, especially in the last five, six minutes of games. Yeah, Penn State found out, I think, the hard way about how good he was, didn't they, Steve? Uh, out there, he played great. Yeah. Here, he had, 30, he had 32 here. And you know the odd part about the 32 here? Because mm-hmm. I thought John Harrow played a great game against him. <laughs> and then you I look mean, at the scorebook. I, I, mean, I mean, it's like, okay, he's got 32, but you kind of felt as the game was going that John was doing a pretty good job on him. Now, it was a game that Penn State ended up, I mean, winning uh, here. But Aturo, I mean, to his credit, I mean, both games he played really, really well. But he's just... He is a hard-working, really good player, and I think his game's going to translate into the NBA. Will he be a star in the NBA? No. But he's going to be a, I think he has a chance of having a good, lengthy career in the NBA because he's, he can shoot it. And, you know, he's not only he's a big man, but he can step out and shoot it, and he can run the floor. He'll be and a solid NBA, six man. Oh, he can run the floor. I mean, you watch this guy. This guy moves. Yeah. Uh, I've been talking to Matt during the break about putting in to be the Olympic announcer for the men's basketball competition in Tokyo. I think he may sign up. I would do it. That's why it's on a bucket list of mine. This would be great. And you probably would need a spotter, and I think that there's somebody in the back corner office that would go with you. (laughs) Well... Pull that name. <laughs> yep, uh, lots of opportunities for Matt with the Olympic announcing, which I know is certainly on his bucket list. That would be for most announcers, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Today's show has been brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Don't forget about the Sunbury Motors Service Department. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK.